One of my collateral duties on my last ship when I was in the Navy was I was a drug and alcohol program counselor. And you know, there are, there are interesting ways we can look at things. We used to have this deal that uh, this questionnaire we would have people fill out to see if they were having a problem with alcohol. And one of the questions on there was, does drinking interfere with my work? Of course, I always thought it was more instructive to uh, say, does work interfere with my drinking? All right? You know, if you, if, you, if, if you really think about it, on Ash Wednesday, for those of you who are here, I passed out these cards, the questions that John Wesley and his group there, the Holy Club, used to ask each other. And in preparation for this morning, I was thinking, I, I hope those of you who are here and took them, I've actually been looking at these almost every day. I think I've missed a day or two. But there was one on here that I thought was particularly apropos for this morning and also a good one to turn around, just like I did with the, the other one there. And if you don't have one of these, there's some on the Welcome Center. I encourage you to get one and consider this. This is a very, very good exercise for Lent and always if we really want to increase our faith and change some of our behaviors. But number 10 on here, number 10 on here says, when did I last speak to someone else about my faith? And I thought, well, no. So we could also look at it like this. When did I last speak to someone else about something I fear? Our reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 4. Consider the word of the Lord. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, 
who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who called Abram, God who calls all of us, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So yeah, like, uh, like Jesse alluded to in the children's sermon, you know, there's been a constant struggle about this deal. And there are a lot of people who still think if they just do the right thing, God will be happy with them and everything will be okay. You know? Which again is not to say we shouldn't do the right things. But we have to be careful. I want us to look there. First, I want us to look at what Sally read. In Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram. You know, if you look a little bit before that in chapter 11, it talks about Abram's father, Terah. And it said they, they headed off. It said they headed off to the land of Canaan, but they stopped in Haran. And that's where God comes and speaks to Abram. And if you look at that passage, it says God, God spoke to Abram. That's the first thing God did. But in that particular passage, there are about seven things that God does before Abram did anything. And of course, this is, this is, the, this is the perennial danger, I think, in our culture in the Western world, in the Judeo-Christian culture, we think we can do it, right? We depend upon, you know, 99 times out of 100, if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, I think most of the times we depend upon ourselves, right? We depend upon ourselves. And the thing to remember is, is we need to depend on God. We need always to depend on God. Abram did that. God told him some things. What does it say he did? It says he went. He went, okay? See, faith motivates us to action. Abram had faith in what God says, and that motivates us to action. So Paul starts out this passage that I read in Romans chapter 4, it says, as the scripture say, okay? Paul's a good guy. He bases everything on scripture. And remember, remember, for Paul and for all those other folks who wrote the New Testament, the only scripture was the Old Testament. That was scripture. When they say scripture, they're not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, first or second Peter, uh, or anything like that. They're talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and those sorts of things. That's what they're talking about. And it says there, 
in Genesis, not in the part that Sally read this morning, but in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it said, that's where it says, Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay. It was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God. As we're in Lent and we're preparing for the resurrection, a good question for all of us to ask ourselves is, uh, do we really believe God? I'll take it a step further. Do we really believe in God? You know whether or not you really believe in God by looking at what you trust, what you trust. Again, belief's not a complicated thing. It's not a complicated thing. We all do it all the time. And you heard some examples this morning, like, like you know, a, a simple one is, I, be, I believe, I believe with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my fiber, if I do this, some lights go out. You know? And if I do this again, they come back on. It's not complicated, is it? If you believe something, you act as if it's true. It's that simple. It's that simple. So Abram believed God. And then he goes on to say that the promise wasn't based on the law. The promise wasn't based on the law. You see, real simply, the, the, the easy answer why the law is a problem is because the law is sort of like this concept, the concept we have of pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? If I can follow the instructions and get a particular result, whatever those instructions might be, and in this case, Paul's alluding to the law, and this, is, and this is what Jesus was always running up against with the scribes and the Pharisees, you know. And they were being so legalistic, you know. If I can just follow the instructions and get a certain set of results, again, I don't need God, right? Why do I need God? If I can just follow a set way of doing things, then again, I'm depending upon moi, right? I'm not depending upon God. That's what Paul's trying to get across here. You see, Abram believing God and then later becoming, see, see, Abram becomes Abraham when? In chapter 17 of Genesis. There is no law. The closest thing we have here, and there's a brief interlude where, uh, where Paul's talking about Abraham and circumcision. You see, that's a sign of the covenant, but there still isn't any law. We don't get the Ten Commandments until Moses comes along 400 and something years later after the, after the Hebrews are released from slavery in Egypt. The important thing about faith and about believing God is you have a relationship with God. If I trust someone, whether that's God or one of us, I have a relationship with that person. I don't have to have much of a relationship with a law. It's just something I know or can do. The important thing is, is 
Abram had a relationship with God. And the promise was based on the relationship with God, not with following the law. And another place, you know, because it always begs the question, you know, Paul says, so, so we're supposed to uh, just go on sinning? And he says, no, God forbid. We're not supposed to. But see, here's the deal. If we're in right relation with God, we don't have to worry about everything we do. We do the right thing naturally. If we are, as, as some of our songs say, if we are talking to God and walking with God, if we're really in relationship with God, we know the right thing to do. We know the right thing to do. We don't have to worry about looking up some rule book or something if we actually walk by faith. Which again is what Jesus did and what Jesus was attempting to get all of us to do. You know, believe the good news. Believe the good news that God loves us and you can trust God. I mean, that simply is the good news. You know, you can trust Jesus and everything's okay. Everything's okay. It really is. But most of us, right, on a daily basis, we decide everything is not okay. That varies from one degree or another. I was at a Kairos team meeting yesterday morning, getting ready for the weekend in July, and we watched a video of one of the inmates there. It's a great video. I'll have to, I'll have to, if any of you are interested, I'll try and figure out where it is on the internet. I'm sure it is somewhere. You can watch it. But uh, you know, this particular inmate said a couple of things. One of them was, was real interesting. He said, you know, he said, I learned early on that when rhetoric failed, I could turn to threats. I thought that was pretty interesting, but he, but, he, but he was talking about his first experience when people came into the prison, and he, he went to a Kairos weekend, and he said, oh, these are Christians, you know? And he said, most of these people, you know, they're here because they feel guilty because of what they've got, and they feel sorry for us, and their biggest problem in life is when to turn their stake, right? There's a lot of truth in what he says. There's a lot of truth in what he says. I'll just challenge any of you to think about the last thing you were worried about, whatever it was. You know, I'm going to bet on the scheme of things it wasn't any big deal, really. But we had made it into some big deal for ourselves, right? Whatever, whatever that might have been. And then finally there, Paul says what? The promise rests on grace. Grace, right? Just like Abram. There he was. He's sitting in Haran, you know, not knowing what to do. God speaks to him, and God says, I'm going to do all these things for you. I'm going to do all these things for you. You're going to have descendants and everything else. Land, all sorts of, all sorts of goodies. Abram hadn't done anything. He's just sitting there, right? Or standing there, whatever he was doing. Promise rests on grace. 
not just for Abram or Abraham at this point, because we're past chapter 17, but for everybody who has the faith of Abraham, all his descendants, those that have his faith, you know. You know, the way Paul writes it, there's a, a parenthetical statement and he talks about him being the father of many and all that, and it, and it sort of confuses him. What it says is Abraham and his descendants who what? Stand in the presence of God, who are in the presence of God. God who brings the dead to life and calls things that are not as though they are or calls things into being from nothing. Several ways you can translate it there, which again is exactly what he did with Abraham. Here you got Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's what, 75 years old. I, I, that's, and that's why that's the question in the bulletin this morning, how old was Abraham? Because I want all of you to realize that even if you are 75 years old or older, or even if you're younger, you know, you can still hear God and be righteous by believing God. Doesn't matter on your age. Doesn't matter on your age. But there Abraham was. And God says, what? You are the father of many nations. Well, we go on quite a ways before Isaac is ever born. So even calling Abraham the father of many nations, God was calling something that was not as though it was. And we all have that ability too. It's a God-given ability. We're created in God's image. This is why, again, and I think Lent is such a good time to think about it, consider your words. Consider your words about yourself. When was the last time you shared something you feared with somebody else? So as you come to the table this morning, now we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have communion this morning. We're gonna have communion during Lent at the 8:30 service for several reasons, but one of the reasons is I don't think we do it or think about it enough. You know, Jesus said we should do it in remembrance of Him, and it's to remind us too that. We believe God because God is our source. We do depend upon God for everything we have. And we all have faith, see. The academic question is what do you have faith in? What do you have faith in? So this morning, as you come to the table, ask yourself, what do I really have faith in? And then ask yourself this, what is my faith moving me to do?